Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. Josh Chastain and the, the men's ministry team who put a great event on Friday night. We had about 35 guys here at our chili cook-off, and it was a fantastic time. Uh, for those of you who know Jade, he's not here this morning, but Jade gave a, an amazing testimony of God's work in his life, and we had some times of worship and uh, great food and great fellowship. So it's exciting to see uh, God building community here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church and, and community amongst the guys. So, gentlemen, if you weren't able to attend that or you didn't know about it, then stay tuned for our next event. But uh, these guys got some good things coming up over, uh, over the next few months. So, uh, so God, I do thank you for everything that you're doing here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, for just the, the various um, just places in, in which you're moving in people's lives, and even what you're doing with us corporately as a church, and we just uh, pray more, God, just continue to move us more and more, continue to uh, uh, bring more and more of your presence and your power here in our gatherings, um, both our small gatherings and our large gatherings, God, the work that you're doing individually in people's lives and the testimonies um, that, that are coming up, we just, more and more, we pray, God, we want more and more of you, so thank you for what you're doing, uh, but God, we need hunger and thirst even more righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so there are some people who um, whose names are famous and most people know them, and then there are other people who have had large impacts on culture and community and history, but their names aren't uh, as well known. And, and one of those people is a gentleman by the name of Dan Wyden, and chances are you've probably never heard of Dan Wyden or don't know much about him. But Dan Wyden was actually a titan in the advertising industry. He died in 2022. And uh, he did commercials for all of the Procter & Gamble products, for Old Spice, and even for Coca-Cola. But what really uh, marked Wyden's legacy was an ad campaign that he worked on in 1987. He had just started a new advertising agency, and his first client was Nike. And so he was tasked with putting four commercials together for Nike, and so he created four different creative teams and had them each uh, develop a different commercial, and that was the campaign were these four commercials. But because he had four different creative teams working on the commercial, there, there was no thread that kind of connected all of the commercials. So he was really sensing there needed to be some commonality, something that threaded all of these four commercials together. And it was Wyden who came up with the now famous tagline, Just Do It. And when he first suggested this, both to his creative team and to the executive at Nike, none of them liked it. None of them thought it was necessary. And he actually had to talk them into using the tagline, Just Do It. 36 years later, Just Do It is synonymous with the Nike brand that is now worth almost $19 billion. 
Today we're continuing our series called Listen Up. And little did Wyden know that his tagline would not only integrate itself through all of American culture and really beyond, but he had no idea that his tagline, Just Do It, would be a jumping off point for my sermon this morning. Most importantly... We started this series a couple weeks ago, and we said that the purpose of this series was to learn how to hear God's voice more clearly so that we could live more confidently. And one of the most critical components to hearing God's voice, one of the most critical components to, to having your ear tuned in to the voice of God is simply being willing to just do it. More than any other component, that impacts our ability to hear the Word of God is our willingness to just do it. There are these things in the Bible, you call them biblical patterns. So there are, there are commands in the Bible, there are teachings, you know, do not murder, do not commit adultery, love your enemy. Those are just there, they're plain and simple, they're easy to follow. But then there are these other things, biblical patterns, and they're not, they're not presented as a statement or a law. You just see the pattern repeated over and over again, and you kind of get the sense, well, we should probably continue that pattern. And one such pattern is this, that God's revelation always comes with the expectation of man's action. Here's what I mean by that. Every time God appears, every time God speaks, every time God does something, there is the expectation that whoever is hearing or seeing it will respond, right? Like God never speaks with the expectation that nobody's even going to notice. Whenever God speaks, there's a, an expectation that people are going to respond to that. Here's a great example. Jesus was walking along. He sees Zacchaeus in the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. We don't even know the conversation that Jesus had with Zacchaeus and the other dinner guests that night. But at some point in the conversation, at some point after Jesus spoke, Zacchaeus stands up and he responds. And he says, I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone of anything, I'm going to repay them four times. It was a, 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 a visceral, a guttural, an effusive response that, that wasn't asked of him, that wasn't required of him, that wasn't demanded. He had just heard Jesus speak. He saw the revelation of God. And inside of him, something said, I've got to just do it. I've got to just do something. And so when God reveals Himself to us, it always requires some action on our part. As we just saw this morning, sometimes our action, uh, sometimes the thing that we are called to do in the face of God's revelation, in the face of God's presence, is worship. And we see plenty of times in the Bible where God spoke, God appeared, God did something, and people just fall on their face and worship. That's one such response. Repentance is another one. God speaks, or God's presence is felt, or God shows His strength, and all of a sudden we go, woe is me, a man of unclean lips, and we recognize in that moment that there are things in our life that God wants to get right. We saw in Zacchaeus' example, 
Sometimes God moves. He shows His favor on us. He shows us our gener- his, his generosity. He shows us how, how much He cares for us. And our response is to be generous to other people. Maybe it's our response is being kind and loving and forgiving in the face of, of God's demonstration of love to us. And in God speaking to us about His love. He says, and we say, God, if You love me that much, then clearly what that means is You want me to love other people. Maybe sometimes our response to the revelation to the voice of God is just quietness and silence. God has spoken. And I now need to sit here. I now need to ponder. I need to consider. I need to let that Word of the Lord permeate into my heart. I'm undone. I have no response to that. You see, God never speaks just to hear His own voice. Ironically, I do. My daughter makes fun of me all the time because she will walk into the house or she'll walk in here in the church and I'll be talking to myself. And my daughter has a way of like, girls have a way, teenage girls, she's not a teenager anymore, she's young 20, they just have a variety of facial expressions. And when it comes to my daughter and I, she usually has this facial expression, like wondering if I'm crazy. And she goes, are you talking to yourself again? And I'm like, yes, I am. So what I do is because I'm always preparing messages or things that I I have to speak out loud. You can't just write them. It's not like you're writing a research paper. You're writing something that, that is like needing to be prepared to be spoken. And so you actually have to say it out loud. Does this sound right? And inevitably, Emily always walks in when I'm saying it out loud because I need to hear the sound of my voice. But God is not me. He doesn't just talk to hear the sound of His voice. He talks because He wants to influence us. He talks because He wants to get us to respond. And when the Word of the Lord goes forth, it is meant to accomplish the purpose in which it was sent. It does not return void. The intention is that when God speaks, it doesn't bounce off the walls and falls to the ground. It accomplishes something. So today we're going to take a look at the importance of responding to the things that we hear. We're going to take a look at the importance of just doing it. We're going to take a look at the importance that that has on our ability to hear God's voice more clearly. James talks about this in the first chapter when he says this, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no, uh, no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So I want to start this morning a little bit by demystifying this phrase, hearing the voice of God. Because I think that can be intimidating, right? Hearing the voice of God. 
And maybe you know people who hear God's voice clearly. Maybe you know people or you hear of people who when they hear of God's voice, there's, there's a lot of drama to it. There's a lot of color. And you wonder, you does that happen to me? Why, why doesn't that happen to me? The reality is, is all of us hear the voice of God. So this is a uh, class participation project here. So I'm going to ask you a question. And if you have a working shoulder, then I expect you to raise your hand to this question. If you have ever... At any time in your life, felt that, knew that, or believed that God wanted you to do something, raise your hand. Okay, now go ahead. Leave up, leave up your hands. Okay, leave them up because I want you to look around. See how, how many people here? So what does this tell us? This tells us that we're all hearing the words out. Okay, hands down. We're going to do this one more time. How many of us in this room at any time in our life have clearly heard, known, or believed that God asked us to do something and we did do it? <laughs> that is exactly what I'm wanting to talk about today. When we say hearing the voice of God, I want to demystify it and say that, hey, we all hear the voice of God. We can grow in the clarity and in the frequency in which we hear it. But each and every one of us have known, has known that God has spoken to us. And each and every one of us has known what it's like to hear that and to walk away from the mirror and kind of forget. The scripture that we read in James is talking about the difference between hearing God's Word and actually doing it. We learn from this scripture, and what we're going to learn today is that the more quickly we respond to God's voice, the more clearly we will hear God's voice. That is the relationship. The quicker you are to just do it, the more frequently you will hear. For those of you who have short attention spans and we're looking forward to taking a nap today, you're in luck, because I've actually reduced today's message to three words. And if you remember nothing else and you have a pen in hand and you want to write this down on a piece of paper and go to sleep from here, you're welcome to do that. As long as you hear this, remember this, and actually do it. Here is my message in three words. Doing increases hearing. That's a three-word message. Doing increases hearing. Doing what God tells you to do as soon as He tells you to do it, will increase your ability to hear from God. And I would say that if any of us here today are saying to myself, I haven't been hearing from God, I would suggest that there's a good chance that the reason why is because you haven't been doing what God has told you in the past. God is always speaking, always instructing, always guiding. The equation that we want to focus on today is whether we are responding to that in a way that would allow us to continue to hear God's voice. So today we're just going to talk about how doing increases hearing. The first thing we're going to talk about is doing increases our clarity. Doing increases our clarity. Obviously, the biggest factor, the biggest challenge to hearing God's voice is knowing whether or not we actually heard God's voice. Did, did, did I hear God? Was that, was that right? Did I hear God's voice right? 
Without Him, last week I talked about all of the different voices that we hear and all of the different voices that are trying to influence us. And so the biggest challenge when it comes to hearing God's voice is knowing with a certainty and knowing with a clarity that, yes, that was God. And so the best way to know it's God's voice is to put God's voice to the test. That is the best way to do it. If that was you, God, I'm going to put that to the test. I'm going to do what I believe you told me to do, and we're going to see how it works out. What's interesting, what's important to note about God's Word is that the Word of God will always produce the fruit of God. Let me say that again. The Word of God will always produce the fruit of God. Whatever God says, whatever command He gives, whatever encouragement He gives, whatever relation He gives, whatever instruction He gives, if you pick that thing up, if you run with that thing, it is going to produce the fruit of God in your life and in other people's life. The Word of God will always produce the fruit of God. You can take a look at Galatians, where it lists the fruit of the Holy Spirit, nine of them. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, fruits of the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to memorize them and recognize them because they are the litmus test. They are, they are, the, they are the things that we look for in determining, or am I living a life in alignment with God? Is this God's Word? What is it producing? And so whenever we hear the Word of God and we put that into action, then we stand back and we go, did what I just hear produce in me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? Did what I just do produce that in other people's lives? And so the Bible encourages us to test the Word of God, to say, I heard this, and and now I'm going to do it. The Bible says, hear the Word of God, do the Word of God, then stand back and watch what fruit it produces. A really cool story that demonstrates this is the famous story of Peter walking on the water might be familiar with this story. So Jesus and the disciples are ministering all day long, and they're exhausted. And Jesus says, as we talked about last week, he slipped away, and he says, I'm going to take time to pray, to go to my sacred place. He sends his disciples out on the boat, and there's a storm. And then Jesus walks on the water and comes out to the boat, and that's where Jesus and Peter have this great interaction. And Jesus, or, uh, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it is you... Tell me, speak to me, let me hear your voice say, come to you on the water. And Jesus responded, come. So here's kind of the critical question in this story. What was it in this story that convinced Peter beyond a shadow of a doubt that he heard what Jesus told him to do? That it was Jesus who told him to come out on the water. What was it? What concrete evidence did Peter have that it was Jesus who told him to come out on the water? Was it not the fact that he actually stepped out of the boat and walked on water? When he put the Lord's Word to test and he walked on the water, it was in that moment that he said, I heard from Jesus. I heard right. Now imagine if Peter had not ever gotten out of the boat. 
Imagine if Peter and I did what you and I do, where we, we hear God speak and we, we like put one foot, oh, and then we step back in the boat. You ever do that? God tells you to do something and you're like, oh, maybe I'll step out. And then, then you step back and you kind of shuffle your feet and then you go, no, I'll just step in the boat. Had Peter never tested the word of the Lord, he never would have known that for sure Jesus had called him out on the water. And had he never stepped out on the water in the coming days, weeks, and months, you can just imagine how Peter's mind would have replayed that and how Peter's mind would have played games on him. And maybe Peter would have said, you know what? There was a storm that night. It was windy. Maybe I didn't hear Jesus say, come out on the water. There was a lot of noise going on. Maybe he said, you know what? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they're always arguing and yelling and they were screaming. They were upset. And maybe it was one of them and I overheard them say something. And maybe I didn't really hear Jesus say, come out on the water. Maybe Peter said, you know what? Maybe Jesus didn't say, Peter, come. Maybe what Jesus really said was, Peter, you're dumb for thinking you could ever walk on water. What convinced Peter that he had heard clearly was that he just did it. He got out of the boat, he put his feet on the water, and he walked on the water. We won't always know for a certainty that it's God's voice. We won't always know 100% that this is God. But the more we put God's voice to the test, the more we say, God, I think this is you. I'm I'm, going to follow this. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to be generous to this person. I'm going to forgive this person. I'm I'm, I'm going going in this direction and I'm going to change my direction. The more we we do it, the more we test it, and the more we see the fruit of, I, I, I heard it, I did it, it produced this fruit. The more we do that in our life over and over and over again, we become familiar with the fruit of God's Word and with the frequency and the voice of God's Word. But if we stay in the boat and we never test the Word of God, the Word of God will always be robbed from our heart. We'll always doubt it. We read earlier from James 1, two chapters later in the book of James, it says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, the Word that comes from heaven, The revelation, the messages, the communication that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So what I want to encourage you to do is step out of the boat. Test the Word of God. Next time you believe that God is telling you to do something, say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to step out and then I'm going to stand back and I'm going to see if it produces fruit. And like Peter, you're going to end up walking on water. And like Peter, you're going to end up finding out that the Word of God can be trusted and can be reliable and you actually do hear the Word of God. But you're going to have to do it. And as you do it, you're going to gain more and more clarity and you're going to start to hear God more often. And once you get over that hurdle... Once you get over the hurdle of fear or apprehension and you start putting God's Word to the test, you're going to see the fruit of God in your life and in your relationships and how you live that out. 
Second thing that doing does is doing purifies our heart. It purifies our heart. The Bible talks about our heart as being a storage place. It's a a container, our heart. And we put stuff in our heart. Of Jesus' mother, Mary, it said she, um, she cherished all of these things in her heart. She stored up all of these things in her heart. So our heart is the place where we can hold affection, where we can hold love, where we can hold expectations, where we can hold desire, where we can hold dreams. Our, our heart is a place where we hold all of these things that we cherish, and it's fantastic for that. And there's all kinds of verses in the Bible about, about the heart being a place where all of those things are contained. But similarly, the heart can also store up anger and pride, and lust, and bitterness, and unforgiveness, and fear, and greed, and rebellion. There's a lot of ways that you can define Christianity if you were to ask people what is Christianity. But you could make the argument that what Christianity is, is inviting God to come into your heart and to get all up in the business of your heart and to pull out the things that are negative and harmful and to replace it with the things that are good and healthy and helpful. And that is the Christian process. Each and every one of us in this room are in the process of God purifying our heart. Of God kind of moving things around and shuffling things around and saying, hey, did you know that this was in your heart? Yesterday, Glenn was working on getting rid of a desk. And, and I went to see how heavy the desk was, see if I could move it by myself. And so I moved it. And there behind the desk were like huge dust bunnies on steroids. I mean, it was, and I kind of made a joke to Glenn. I said, Glenn, you're not much of a housekeeper behind this desk here. Like, look at all this dust. But it's like nobody ever knew it was there. You ever move a piece of furniture and there's all kinds of dust there? You're like, oh my goodness, this is dirty back here. God sometimes shuffles the furniture in our heart. Says, did you realize all of these crumbs were in the seat cushions, right? Did you realize all this dust was there? So God is constantly wanting to purify our heart. Because it's out of our heart that we live. It's out of our heart that that, that, that life happens. And so that's what God is after. And one of the ways that God purifies our heart is by speaking to us and inviting us to do things. So you know there's some things in your heart that I'm after. So here, I'm going to share this with you. Or there's some things in your heart that I'm after. So I'm going to ask you to do these things or do this thing because by doing this thing, by being confronted by this thing, it's going to give you a chance to deal with some of the heart issues. So maybe there is some bitterness in your heart. Maybe there's some unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe there's some pain in your heart. Maybe there's some revenge in your heart. Maybe some hardness in your heart towards another person. So God shifts the furniture around and says, Hey, why don't you forgive that person? And in that moment, you have the opportunity to have your heart purified. God just spoke to me. And if I do what He said I should do, if I just do it, my heart will be purified. And every time God speaks to us, it gives us an opportunity to have our heart purified within us. 
Maybe God says, you know what, he, he, well, why don't you do this? And by asking you to do that, you're going to come face to face with the Goliath in your life that you have lived your whole life in fear of. But God doesn't want you living in fear anymore. And so He's asked you to face that giant. And if you do what He's called you to do, if you go down into the valley and face the Goliath, He will be able to defeat Goliath for you. Your heart will be purified of fear and you won't live in fear anymore. But it's going to require that you do what He's called you to do. Here's how all of this kind of ties into hearing God's voice and doing what it says. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will hear God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will know what God's talking to them about. I love how the Passion Translation writes this verse. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will be open to see more and more of God. Isn't that a great phrase? More and more of God. We sing that. I want to see more and more of you. You want to know how you get to see more and more of God? Is you allow God to purify your heart more and more. And as your heart is purified, you're going to see Him more and more. But that purification, the the purifying of your heart, the cleansing of your heart happens through obedience to His Word, doing the things that He has called you to do. For those of you who like diagrams, then, then I, I made this little cycle thing here for you to help understand. So we hear God's voice, right? It starts at the top. We hear God's voice just to just simple things. Hey, Dennis, you shouldn't be going 85 miles an hour down the highway and honking your horn at the guy in the lane only going 75. You shouldn't do that anymore. And I can hear that. And I can lower my speed from 85 down to a reasonable 79. And my heart will be purified, not completely, but partially. And then I'll hear God more purely, right? More clearly. And that's just a process. It can be, hey, Dennis, you know, the person that hurt you in the past, and you're still holding on to that offense, I want you to do something to bless that person. I want you to reach out to that person break the ice and say something kind to them. And if I do that, and it purifies my heart of that anger and that bitterness and that offense, then I'm going to hear God speak more clearly. The truth about this cycle is that the opposite of this cycle has the opposite effect on us. If we hear God speak and we don't do anything, then our hearts remain unpurified and possibly get even uh, less pure. We, we, we add more baggage to it and we start to hear God less and less. So I want to encourage you to do the things that God is calling you to do because what it will do is it will bring to the surface the things in your heart that God is after. And more than anything else, He is after your heart. And the way He gets to your heart is by saying, hey, go and sell all that you have and then come follow me. And then your heart's going to be in the right place. 
So what is that thing that God has been asking you to do that you've been hesitating on doing? And I want you to understand today that your hesitation, or possibly for some of us, our outright disobedience to what God is calling us to do, is having a grave impact on our hearing ability. And that God is just dying to share you the secrets of His heart. And you're not hearing them. Because you're not doing what He's called you to do. Doing purifies our heart. Last thing is that doing builds our faith. Hearing God's voice always requires faith because we have to have the faith. Did I really hear God? We have to have a faith. Did, does God really value me enough? Does, does He find meaning and significance enough in me to actually talk to me? We have to have faith that, hey, God said this, but is He going to like back up what He said? Is, is He going to provide what I'm going to need? If I do this, is He going to protect me? Right. So there's a lot of faith that goes into uh, you know, hearing God and, and doing it, right? And so it's kind of based on this faith. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that you can't build your faith unless you're willing to do it. You'll never build your faith, as I said, unless you get out of the boat like Peter. Unless you do the things that God has called you to do and you see how faithful He is, how good He is, how wise He is, how He can take your little act of obedience, your little act of, of walking up to a person and saying, I, I believe God wants me to share this with you. Or your little act of, 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 of generosity and, and, and then God using that to really bless people. Unless you do that, you'll never develop your faith. And so God wants to build in us faith, but the only way for us to build faith is by actually doing what He has called us to do so that we can see then just how good He is and just how faithful He is. The great story of this in, in Luke 10, this is where Jesus sent out the 72. So He had His 12 inner circle, and then beyond that He had another 60. Those were the key 72 leaders in, in, in His tribe. And so in Luke 10, He sends the 72 out and He essentially says to this, He says, hey, he says, I want you to go out, and I want you to hear what I hear, and I want you to do what I do, right? Because we know that Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing, or I only do what I hear the Father tell me to do. So he sent the 72 out, essentially with these instructions. Go out and do what you hear the Father telling you to do. That was what was happening here. 72 come back. And they are just amazed and flabbergasted and high-fiving and whooping and celebrating. And they're like a number 16 seed who defeats number 1 seed. My apologies to Purdue fans. And so they are just so excited, right? And they come back. And it's interesting because Jesus says two things. One of the things he says to his father and one of the things he says to the 72. Jesus, full of joy, them coming back, and having this testimony made him full of joy. Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, but you have revealed them to these little children. Essentially, he was saying, thank you, God, for talking to them. Thank you, God, for showing them what they needed to do. Thank you that other people had the opportunity to do that, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, that their hearts were too hard, but you chose these 72. Thank you, God, for doing that. Then he turned to the disciples and said privately, Blessed 
are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are the ears who heard what you just heard. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And they hear what you hear, but did not hear. But what happened with the disciples is that they heard, they saw, and then they did. And the more they heard, the more they saw, and the more they did, the more they grew in faith. And all of a sudden, these men and women who had, who had walked in fear and walked in uncertainty and doubted them themselves, they were now walking around doing the things that Jesus did and having the faith to do things that they never would have thought of before. So how does that apply to us? We are living in a generation that I would say more than any other generation desperately needs to see the work of God. We are living in a generation that desperately needs to see the power of God. A nation, I believe, our collective faith is at an all-time low. Our collective expectation of God doing miraculous things is at an all-time low. And we see the implications of that throughout our society. And so we live in a culture and in a generation that desperately needs to see the works of Jesus. But we are also living at a time and in a season where the works of Jesus are being performed through the life of His followers. In other words, the world will not see the power of God unless you and I have the faith to show it to them. The world will not see the glory of God unless we bring it to them. The world will not see the love, the compassion, and the healing of God unless we have the faith to get up off of our butts and out of these seats and beyond these walls and actually do what Jesus has called us to do. And in as much as the church rises up and begins to do the things that the kingdom does, which is bring healing and bring mercy and bring generosity and bring justice, in as much as we do that, we will see our culture change. But in as much as we are like the man in James who looks at himself in the mirror or hears a fantastic sermon on hearing and responding to the voice of God but walks out and does not do it, then nothing will change the course that our culture is on. And so I implore you to develop faith. I implore you to do the things that God is calling you to do. And all of a sudden you will find yourself doing things that you never thought you would. It starts by doing the very simple little things that God calls you to do. And before long, you'll be like the disciples running around healing the sick, blessing those who are far from God, restoring the broken, driving out demons, and seeing the kingdom of God work through your life. In the vineyard, there's this saying that the way that we spell faith is R-I-S-K. And so I want to invite you to live a very risky life. I want to invite you to do things that you hear God calling you to do because it's in doing those things that God's going to be able to say thank you for giving me the opportunity. Now stand back and watch me do what I can do. And that's what he's calling us as a church in particular to do. And we're in a season where he's asking us to step into that more than ever before. I'm going to invite the worship team forward now. As we move into kind of the close of this service. I'm going to invite you to do something a, l- a little bit, I don't know, so much different, but just a little bit more uh, detailed. We always, during this time of reflection and response, expect to hear the voice of God, but 
But as the worship team prays and the prayer team can also come forward, I want to encourage you just to sit for a moment, maybe with your hands open, and just say, God, what are you asking me to do? It's a very dangerous question, but take the rest. What are you asking me to do? Write that down, and whatever it is, don't let the sun go down without doing it. Do exactly and everything that God tells you to do in this moment. As Christian mentioned earlier, we're going to change up how we do communion. We want to make communion available every Sunday. So if you, if you didn't get the communion elements when you walked in, they're on the back table. And, and if, if you care to or desire to take communion, you, you can go back and get the elements and, and use this time to just take communion and connect with God that way. But as the worship team plays... Let's just sit quietly before God and say, God, what are you asking me to do? And then don't let the sun go down before just doing it.